Jeff Ogilvy survives Wingfoot. Now the moment Aaron Badley has waited. Curry Webb is the five-time Australian Open champion. Golf at its best by one of the best in golf, Peter Thompson. Stand in front of a crowd like this today and win the PGA Championship is pretty special. He's done it at last. Greg Norman. Jones gets his name on the Stonehaven Cup. Leash been to 11 under. Now we've got a new leader, kids. Here it is, Adam Scott. A life changer. Coming up next, you have unrestricted access to golf across Australia and the world. Thanks to Golf Australia, we're going Inside the Ropes. G'day everybody, welcome to Inside the Ropes, episode 15. Great to be here for another week and another huge week in the world of golf. The FedEx Cup moves into its second uh, playoff phase, of course, in Boston. Uh, Andy Ma here again. Lucky to have Mark Hayes with us this week, who has been laid out. And you have, <laughs> this has been a monumental effort for you to get up upright and join us, great man. Vertical for the first time. In, in, in appreciation of our first guest, Andy, I know he's had a lot of back issues uh, over the years. So, yes, uh, it's been a tough week, but here we go. Well, you, you're, like your career, you are going vertical. So, uh, good to have you here. And Stewie Appleby is that guest who's about to join us. Joe Charlton makes her long-awaited return to the show, having been disgustingly over in Thailand since the last time we heard her. Yeah, no, I've been a bit of a stranger to the show, so I'm pumped to be back. It's so good to, to see, you. see you both. And I just want to add in, I'm pretty pumped this week because the Bombers have made the final series again. Yeah, so shut up about that. You can just shut up right about that right now. Thanks for that. <laughs> How are you feeling, Hazy, with your beloveds? This must be an odd feeling for you with on the eve of a finals camp. By the way, Joe, it's an unbelievable achievement what your football team's done. It's been so. a long journey. It has. Uh, it's a sad, uh, sad month of September for Hawk fans, but I am all over the storm, Andy. Go, go, go those purple boys. You can find any. Well, one bloke who's got uh, sort of playoffs of his own uh, on his mind at the moment, I know he does uh, love a bit of footy back here in Australia and has had some back issues on the way through, of course, is Stewie Appleby, who's been good enough to join us on Inside the Rope. Stuart, thanks for your time. Great to have you on the show. Yeah, well, finally I've, uh, finally I've got here. <laughs> yes, well, it's nice to have you here. Uh, you're a Carlton man, aren't you? So uh, you won't be overly excited necessarily about this year's finals campaign. Over here? Uh, look, I don't. I mean, there's a few team mentioned Essen, and obviously they've had some issues. Now they're playing really well, so that's great to see that team's taken, I guess, a fresh breath of oxygen. Uh, it's, but it's been tough for the Blues. And, um, look, you know, I just love good footy. I mean, some, you know, been some cracking games. I can't pick a team who's going to win. I mean, you've got teams that should be destroying one team and they lose by, you know, a kick or something. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's every season seems to be interesting. But uh, my coach, Steve Bann, um, he's a big Hawks man, and uh, so they had a hell of a run, but sort of the honeymoon's well and truly over. He's a very good man, Banny. Uh, yeah, he and Lynchy go together then, oh, because Lynchy's no, mad, you, isn't well, it? Well, they wouldn't talk football at all, <laughs> at all would they, those two? They may not have spoken oh, since 84, that, Stu. Yeah. <laughs> Lynchy's definitely into his footy, let's just say that, mate. <laughs> Uh, mate, there's another uh, sport that you're, you know, you're linked with other than golf, uh, and you, I know you keep a passionate eye on it, it's in, and you know you're appealing to all our bogan friends out there when you engage your sort of rev head uh, love. You're still passionate about the motor cars, obviously. Yeah, I do. I mean, it's you know, I don't obviously uh, get back to Australia much. Um, I just remember. I mean, everyone has sort of have things, whether it's the sport they follow as a kid, you know, what team you first went with, whether it was your uncle, your dad, your mum. You know, for me, it was like watching Bathurst as a kid and, you know, just watching this event, um, you know, unfold. 
and it just seemed to always love that. Um, you know, Dad was a bit that way too, but he was busy chasing the farm, and I just, when I sat down on the weekend, wild water sports was something I loved to watch when I was a kid, um, and obviously the, the V8 supercars, and I guess we're about to go on a new iteration of that very shortly um, with a very big rule book change, so that'll be interesting to see how that evolves, but... So, yeah, I sign online, pay my, I think it's nearly 30, 40 bucks a year, and I can watch uh, all the races and replays. And, you know, every month I just rip them all out, start ripping out whatever's <laughs> been going on that month. So it's good fun. So give you, I'll give you one choice before we start asking you about actual golf. If I could give you a, a green jacket, or you could hoist the Premiership Cup as captain of Carlton, or you could win the World Drivers' Championship Formula One, which would you take? I think the green jacket would be pretty good. I have to say that, don't I? It's my own vocation. Um, <laughs> although, I've got to tell you, one thing that pops to mind that was one of the most awesome things I ever got to participate in was did uh, 2005 Target Tasmania uh, with uh, in the Lamborghini Gallardo, which was just released, and uh, sort of a long story there, which I won't bore you with, but I got to be, the, I guess, the celebrity driver uh, with Paul Stokel was the sort of the, the talent driver, and I got to complete the whole thing without crashing a four hundred thousand dollar car. <laughs> Had an absolute blast. It was the most amazing. It was, to be honest, it was the whole week was amazing, and it, it felt better in some ways than any victory I've ever had on the golf course. Um, totally different. That that was one of the coolest things I've ever had to do. So, so just before we do get off motorsport and onto golf, you're not the only Australian professional golfer who's got a love for motorsport. I mean, a few spring to mind. There's Greeny, uh, Frays, Wade Ormsby, I think, is pretty keen mm. in this sort of stuff. There's a, there's probably a few others, Stewie. Is there, out of those blokes who claim to know about the caper, who wouldn't you get behind, <laughs> who wouldn't you get the car, who wouldn't you get in the car with when they were behind the wheel and they're doing 300 kilometre sort of clicks around a, a circuit? Who, who's the one you wouldn't trust? Oh, they, I tell you what, I'm, I can't think of anyone I want to get in the car with. Right. <laughs> I can't think of any obvious choice, and they'd probably say the same thing about me, and, and maybe I would too, but I mean, most of the time if I've ever gone fast, it's with a proper driver on a proper racetrack, so to have some hack, you know, some hack driver and a skilled golfer, that, that makes me nervous. So let's talk some golf. Um, you're 46 years of age, and you know, you're still obviously mass- massively you know, committed to what you're doing, and you know, the, you haven't. It doesn't. You don't give any indication as to a man who's kind of, you know, looking to approach the sort of, you know, the the retirement years of your kind of golfing career. You're going back to the FedEx playoffs this week, and we know what the ambition is regarding that. Where's your head at at the moment in terms of where you see yourself and your career? Well, I mean, you know, I, I certainly thought about the opposite of what you just talked about. I'm like, man, this is getting hard. You know, you're not always having your body there that you sort of, I guess, you're expected to be there week in, week out, and, and, and really spending now about four or five years having to, to tr- you know, manage it. And then, you know, it's sort of just, and pulling out of, a, you know, a, quite a few tournaments, considering my whole career, I really never had to pull out of anything due to, you know, pain. Um, so that that's certainly... Uh, certainly made a big dent in my ability to go, you know, what is performance? What am I, you know, what level do I want to play at or can I play at? Um, so all of those things got certainly uh, kicked around knowing that my body couldn't re- wake up every day and, and feel right. Uh, confidence got absolutely hammered and, you know, it's been difficult. But at the same time, I'm like, look, it's not an easy sport. And, and, and the great thing about golf is that you do play your way into a field and the 
there's no coach picking you based on your form. You are your form. You are the coach. You are the selector. And if look, if you don't make the grade, you get told to well, you get you don't get to turn up to the tournament the next week, the next year, whatever it is. So for me this week and a, and a lot of guys, we're the sort of the best of the losers, and we're playing the first of uh, what we call it really the the web the web finals, and and there's four of five weeks we get to play. Uh, and shoot out for one of 25 cards. There's already 25 cards locked out that the web tour guys have been fighting for all year. And all they're going to do is jostle around and decide the final, I guess, seeding within those 25. And there's a fresh 25 up for grabs for all the other guys that are eligible. So 126 for the first guy that lost his card, 126 to 200 on the tour. That's me. We all get to join the web guys, and then they take their 26th guy to 100 and we all merge and we basically shoot it out for those four tournaments and and try and find the leading money winners over those uh the leading 25 guys and those 25 web guys will move on and the 25 freshies will move on and we we see what happens in 2000 and 2018 so for me it's sort of hit and miss if i don't get one of the 25 cards i'm sort of sort of no man's land and pretty much out of a job uh, you know, I spent my whole year writing a lot of letters week in, week out to, to tournaments saying, hey, I'd love to play. Anything I can do for you. So I've never written so much since I was at school uh, <laughs> to go and play. And, I, and all I managed to play really was with, based on my category and ranking was uh, 16 events. Um, you know, and you really need to be, you really want to be playing in the well into the 20s to, to really have, you know, some form going. And I played awful all year. There was no two ways about it. But you came close to avoiding all this stuff, Stu, a few weeks ago at Barracuda. And it must sort of, you know, to Andy's point, it must sort of push you along to think, you know, that you, my, my best is still right up there. I mean, yeah, I, from by my reckoning, you had a little little bump shot to try and actually win the tournament. Yeah, look, to be honest, the body started to feel a little bit better. I, I, I started to have a little bit more zip. You know, I'd lost a bit of zip and I'd lost a bit of, you know, control of the body and the downswing, you know, right when you're putting the foot down. And... You know, I'd lost a lot of length. You know, I'd lost probably, you know, 20 metres or more in the last 10 years. And, you know, is that critical? No. But if you're going to be short, you better be straight. And I was neither. Uh, I was neither hitting it in the fairway. So it was tough work. But Barracuda was, was nice. Now, that was a, what they call a, uh, an opposite field event. So during the same time was, was the uh, Bridgestone tournament. So, you know, we had half the points up for grabs. Um, and obviously we had a lot weaker field. So that, you know, that helped. But it managed to give me enough points that week to get me inside the 200 on the points list. So that lets me come to what's going to start tomorrow um, here in, in Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, that was nice. It was basically, you know, was that or nothing. I mean, if you're not the 200 in the FedEx, you don't even... You have to go back to Q school. Literally, you have to go back to Q school to get to the web tour. There is no Q school anymore for the tour. So I would have to go back to high school to get back to university and start again um, and then try and graduate that way. So it would have been, I'm, I'm, look, I'm still in it. Uh, how it all pans out, I don't know, but, um, you know, the body's feeling better. That's great to hear, Apples, and, um, look, we wish you all the best in, in your motives and your drive to, um, to achieve all you can over in the US. But on an Aussie-centric um, note, what are the chances that we'll see you over here over the Aussie summer down at um, 13th Beach or whether it be up at the Aussie in Sydney? Yeah, zero, um, because I really, this is my first non-Aussie trip that I'm, I'm even coming home for. Um, mm. You know, I, I've actually spent the last couple of summers going coming back to Australia. I haven't pulled up very good on the travel. 
and and really had to bail um, on playing, and which has been frustrating because man, the courses. Yeah, unfortunately, we don't play in Melbourne, which is uh, unfortunately a, a real loss for I don't know the spectators, and obviously a loss as a player. Someone, you know, some of the finest courses around. But for me, no. Um, you know, it's going to be a Christmas in the States. Uh, I've got some uh, my wife, uh, my wife's sister, um, Kelsey Appleby. She's uh, married to my cousin Ben, and they're um, they're heading back. They're heading over the States later this year, so we're sort of going to have a US bound. Christmas, which is a bit of a pity. I love my Aussie trips. I, I, I miss the sounds, the smell, everything. And, and it's, yeah, so no golf for me. I'm glad you cleared up the uh, the cousin thing there. I thought we had a bit of a Mississippi <laughs> moment sort of happening in front of us. <laughs> Stu, just about that, not travelling well, and it, and it goes back to your, to, to your back, I assume. Um, it's been an ongoing thing. Uh, I remember when you won the Australian Masters, uh, you know, it was a fight not only against the course and the weather that week, but it was also a fight for you to stay vertical and on plane and everything that you involved with your swing. How have you managed that over so many years? Well, that was the strangest week. I, I'll never forget that week. On Tuesday, I was hitting balls on the range, and I was hitting it horrendous. <laughs> and I'm not lying. If you saw me, w- watched me hit, you'd be turning to your mates going, what the hell is that? <laughs> and I mean, I'm looking at my coach going, What's going on? I couldn't couldn't hit it, and uh, I didn't have any pain or anything, but I saw um, uh, Tina Mayo, who's down at the Cobalt-Gosky Path down there, and, and she was at the club. She's been working on me for years, and she goes, what's up with your hip? And all of a sudden, she starts straightening me out, and Coach Ban says, like, let's just work on doing this in the swing. And I just started to hit it good and started to part. And by Sunday, um, I couldn't believe it. I drove out of the Victoria Golf Club at the last car to leave going, I just won the Masters. How the hell did that happen? I was about to almost pull out of the tournament going, I can't do I can't show the public these amount of skills and I was all <laughs> But um, I have, it's been really hard. I, I honestly thought after surgery that, you know, great, I'm going to be better than ever and, my, you know, I'm just going to be awesome. And well, back to, you know, feeling like I was five, six, seven, eight years ago. But, and, and anyone listening who's had severe back pain and, you know, discs all over the shop, the nerve impingement and that. The body takes on a whole new life after that and, and me trying to learn it and playing golf, that was bad. Worst sport you could ever pick to mm. try and bend over and rotate. Yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey. So for you right now, is it more physical? And, you know, we've followed your career closely for a long time now, Stewie. Is it more a physical challenge for you or a mental challenge in front of you right now? You know, it's been both. I've got to, uh, you know, it's, um, you know, you certainly have standards. And, and I'm watching a lot of footballers on TV and you're seeing some that are retiring and you go, man, you're, you're still good. You know, you still can run and, you you, you know, you, <laughs> and these guys, are, if they're lucky, if you're really a good footballer, you'll get 10 years in the game. Well, I've had, you know, really over 20, I mm. guess, as a professional, most of really those, those uh, years in the States. And obviously, senior tour is just around the tour, around the corner. So, like, I can't imagine what it's like to be, you know, really retired by the time you're 30, 35. Uh, what do you do? Where do you go? And I'm so fortunate that, you know, I can get to another tour and, and do what I do. And, um, you know, it has, it has my, my, my physical confidence has taken a beating, my emotional confidence. I had plenty of times that I've just looked, and thought, is this? Am I really up? Do I really want to do this? You know, I practice and get no results, and that's really uh, that's really tough. But 
you know, you just got to sit there and go, right, this is the game. Just sending me a message. You know, what you're doing is not working. Um, just find another way. Um, and that's the beauty about golf. You get such a so many, I guess, stabs at the key lock to twist it and try another key and, and try something else. Very few sports you get to do that. Yeah, let's let's touch on that a little bit further. Apples, you know, you talk about golf, and you've had a couple of decades plus out out there on, on various tours, and how tremendous that is. That is it a game that you can play throughout your life. And I know that you've been really instrumental in developing juniors with your own foundation over a number of years, and I can pull up a couple of names like rookie pro out there, Brett Coletta now. He's been through your programs. Now he's on the Big Boys Tour. Matias Sanchez, I believe he featured in your opening of your Stuart Appleby Golf Foundation as a five-year-old. Now he's won the Aussie Amateur. Like, that must give you a lot of fulfilment, all those off-course things that you do as well. Well, um, look, that's what's blown me away a little bit because, you know, I wanted to I wanted to get – look, I knew what it was for me. Now, I was a mid-teenager playing the game and what blows me away is I wonder whether Stuart Appleby would have got any roots in the ground in 10 or 20 years later like so Stuart Appleby the golfer takes it up when he's 14 can't even break 90 or 100 you've got mm-hmm. you know Matias you've got um, Coletta these guys are just so much better than me at that age and even maybe five years or not, and more than that you know it's just the talent the young talent that I never thought would ever come from something that I guess I put in the ground the seed. Now it has to be run, and, and there's so many key people that, that have made the difference. And today, um, you know, the Victorian Golf Association has made a huge, huge push. And, and I love to see in my heart when I hear a parent come up and go, "My son or my daughter joined your thing when they were six, seven, eight. And my goal was to make someone, you know, like your panel right there, you know that in 20 years' time, that they'll be doing a radio show and they might say, you man, I remember when I first started playing golf, it was because of. Mm. And that you're going to be a member or they're going to be members of clubs one day. Or that's going to be the sport that they fall in love with. The chances of being any good and being a representat- representation of the highest level, extremely minor. But you just mentioned only two names of very good players. So that's really cool. And they're just, you know, just to see that talent fantastic. Yeah, no, you, you've, as I said, you've played such an instrumental role and I can have a personal reflection here. I remember I played in a very, very few junior events, but I did play in one of yours down at the Sands Torquay and you were a rock star. You <laughs> arrived in a chopper, <laughs> landed on the fairway, National 9 News, the cameras were rolling and I'm going, wow. <laughs> so thank you uh, from me, but uh, from there's thousands of kids out there that um, you have in your own way developed. Look, it's, it's that's stuff I had really no idea about, and the parents are the ones that sort of really connect me back to, you know, I don't see these kids, and I don't see those parents, but when they come to me and say something like, it's, I feel really connected, that mm. I didn't know that this has become part of their life. I remember my dad and driving me down to Melbourne, it was a four-hour drive, we'd play 36 Sunday, 36 Sunday, we'd drive home, parents, the grandparents, uncles, aunties, they play such a huge role in that sort of travel schedule of, you know, young golfers. And, and I really appreciate that and remember that, what Dad did for me in those, in those early years. Mm. That's awesome. Do, do, you, do you keep an eye on the young kids coming through to, you know, the Curtis Luck, Ryan Ruffles, uh, when they so, sort of start making their move over there, Stu? Well, I have. I've bumped into um, and Curtis and actually sort of seen him a lot this week. We've been, uh, he's like a coffee snob 
So he's now I'm asking him. It was Matt Goggin, and now I'm asking him where the coffees are. And we found two brilliant coffee shops because that's what we really lack over here. So we found two in Columbus that are really good. Matt Goggin's a joke. He, I said to him today, I said, do you keep notes on every coffee shop in the country or are you just like Rain Man? He says, Rain Man. <laughs> so, yeah, those guys are very gifted. Uh, like I say, just the awesome talents uh, and really nice guys. Um, and, you know, Ruffles, he's looking for some form. He's obviously struggled lately. Um, you know, I hope he really gets a good, gets his head above water and gets going. Um, I mean, I'm going to talk about those two names uh, a lot. I obviously talked about Curtis this year. I was uh, doing uh, TV, um, you know, for Fox, Back, obviously back to you guys, and, and, and just seeing, I don't know, just seeing the youth, seeing the talent, and just mostly, I hope, seeing really good young men um, you know, out there in, in the world stage representing Australia and, and saying the right things. So there's a couple of things that I want to talk to you about regarding your career, you know, your body of work before time gets on the fly here and we have to let you go. I was at New South Wales in 2009 for the Aussie Open and you got the wrong side of the draw. Uh, the weather was horrific. I mean, the weather you played in was absolutely horrific. And it took Adam Scott to beat you over the four rounds, but I think you led at the halfway mark with kind of a couple of 60, 66, 68, something like that, which was a joke how well you played in those conditions. You've always been a great bad weather player. Is that – how highly do you rate – I know you would have liked to have gone on and won the tournament, but how highly do you rate what you did on the Thursday and Friday in those conditions of that golf course? Um, that was another funny sort of section of – I don't know, golf I remember in Australia. Um, it was awfully windy. Um, all I remember, you know when you hit a putt as a professional, you sort of can tell whether you've made the putt really early on. Whether, you know, when you've hit it, you can tell, ooh, this feels good. All this. <laughs> I reckon those first two days, I must have made four, five, six putts that I went, oh, that's awful. And it went in. And the, it, I don't know how I got it in the hole that easily in those conditions on those first days. Now, the third, last two days caught up with me and, and Scotty ran me down. Um, but those first two days were, I mean, it's one of my most favourite courses, but they were, that was hell on earth. Mm. And I don't know how I got the clubs right. I don't know how I got it in the hole. Um, I was not, I was, just, I was a long way from in awe of myself because I was like, how the hell, how lucky did I have to get in two days to do that? Um, but I've loved that place. I love Australia. I love the wind. And we just don't see that. You just don't see that over here anymore. So the the next one is, you know, a couple of years before that, again, weather plays its part in the Masters. You lead after three rounds. Um, we're talking, you know, the Green Jacket Masters now. Yeah. Can, can you remember how you – I mean, I've got about five questions that I can maybe roll into one and you can – but, you know, how you felt with the spotlight on you after three rounds, how you slept that night, how you felt the morning after, how your warm-up felt, how you felt going on to the first tee. Can you remember how you dealt, Yeah. you know, with all of that? Um, okay, so I remember slept good that night before and it was really mostly my attitude for the week. Like, I really struggled at Augusta to play any good. I think the first year maybe it was 97 – I played. I think I finished in the mid twenties. So I played good for a guy that had no knowledge of of Augusta. But every year after that, I just put so much pressure on myself and and just couldn't really play any good. Could never seem to manage the back nine and so on. So this particular year was really cold. Like you know, it was you know with the wind chill was in the sort of early teens at the best, even cooler down through Amen Corner in the shadows. Mm. 
And I just decided, you know what, I thought it's going to be a hard week. It's going to be hard, and it turned out to be dry, and I thought it's going to be hard for everybody. So, I don't know, just step away from it a bit. And I played really well all week, played well Saturday. I think I had a, an ugly score on 17, maybe a double or something at the end of Saturday. Uh, going into the final round with, uh, I think, a one-shot lead and playing with Tiger. Playing with Tiger is difficult at the best mm-hmm. of times because there's so much sort of, uh, I guess, energy around, uh, sort of, uh, you know, crowd energy. I think Tiger and Phil are the, the two guys that have it, but, you know, Tiger by in spades. So I was pretty nervous on the first tee, you know, as you'd be, and I sort of blurred it right and, and you know, get get it in the hole for whatever it was, I think a five maybe down the first. And so I sort of my lead's gone. And I'm like, well, that doesn't really matter. There's a long, long way to go, 17 holes. You know, for me to have won that, let's say a one-by-one shot, I'm looking at the score I had to shoot, and I'm like, man, that would have been like some seriously good golf uh, in those conditions. And I was just, I was always felt like I'm in it. I'm there, but there was a point where you know you're not in it. When you know that there's a chance for a big tournament and it's now gone from your grasp, that can be the hardest part to stay focused and, you know, you know, the silver lining and the light, you know, because they don't come around it very often. Okay. Really any, yeah. You know, it's, it's not like Tiger where you're going to have a win a major, a chance to win a major, maybe, you know, when he was playing well, every other major. So the next day, how did I feel? I think I was like, I was a bit gutted, but I realised that, you know, that's sort of the way the game works. I felt like I'd given it my best effort and, what else are they going to do? But when I look back now, I guess in the later years of my career, I think, you know, was that mine to win? Mm, not really. It wasn't anything obvious that said that should be mine or could be mine. Yeah. Uh, the British Open years earlier, you know, I got the playoff with uh, Steve Elkington, another Aussie, uh, Thomas Sylvain and Ernie Els. I'm like, man, if I had one shot less, one of those days, it wasn't even in a playoff. <laughs> yes. You know, it's a different, it's a different, it's a whole, you know, a whole different career and, you know, but, that's the game. It's always tormenting you like that. Let's travel. Just one more question. Let's travel from Augusta to Kahuna, where you where you've yep. grown up, and I think your folks are still out in a, a dairy farm out there. Yep. yep. I want to know what's it's a bit of a trivial question. What's your best score around Kahuna? If you had a you know flashing oh. nine, or tell us something special from well, Kahuna. They're about to have the Kahuna Pro Am up there. I think uh, any minute now, almost. Um, so I think all the, the pros out there with my what would have been my course record. So I, I guess by by having a tournament with my name on it, I certainly haven't helped me stay on the scoreboard for low score record. But um, <laughs> I think uh, I think they've shot down in the early 60s. But I think mine might have the best round I ever had there was probably 60 or well, six under. Um, it's so short now. I, I played it a couple of years ago with Dad, and I just I remember you know clubs I used to hit into holes or you know locations in the fairway, and it's just so different to when I was a kid. But Man, I love that place. It's mm-hmm. just the gum trees and, you know, I love camping out in the bush. And, you know, it's super memory lane. I, I, I guess as I got a little bit older, I, I tend to be drawn more to Australia. Um, and, you know, I could say, I almost don't know why, you know, like whether it's home. Uh, I know my home's here for really ever. Maybe not, but, you know, I've got a growing family. But I still love getting back to a little small town on the river and seeing my family and, and friends and, you know, get out the bush and have a cook a few uh, snags on the on the on the grill and and have a great time. So it's, it never will leave me. Unbelievable to hear the difference in pronunciation from Joe saying Kuna. Kahuna yeah. and you saying Kuna. Kuna. 
Well, you know, what with Jonah, she can't speak proper Australian English. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering about that, and before I let you go with Andy, um, you know, from from Cuna all the way to um, you know, forty six year old who's based in the states, nearly thirty million US dollars on that one tour alone. Your thirtieth all time on that money list. It, those figures from a little boy in Cuna are just unbelievable. I would imagine to try and get your head around. Well, sometimes I actually do wonder how the hell does all this happen? You know, I don't sit, I can't sit there and go, well, I did it because, you know, because whatever. Was I certainly not the most gifted player? I mean, there's so many better players than me. So I really don't know how it happened. I, you know, you can hit a million balls. That doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Um, so maybe I was just young enough and dumb enough to not know how hard it was supposed to be and, you know, <laughs> stayed focused and, you know, and, and, and just, you know, and naive enough and, and I guess made hay while the, the sun shine. So, yeah, I was very fortunate because I certainly never... Um, maybe that was a good part about it. Maybe I picked a sport accidentally that let me sort of tortoise in the hair it and I was the tortoise and could hang in there. Um, but it's it's just been awesome to meet so many people. To, to ever think I was going to come and live to America... I remember first leaving the bush to go to Melbourne to play and that was intimidating, let alone catch a flight and live and, and marry a woman from America and have kids, you know, that's that's amazing. You know, a lot, not an unusual story for a lot of Australians. We have to certainly make moves away from what is really a small country to go international to whatever, ply our trade, but very lucky boy. Well, of all the feathers in your cap, Stewie, I reckon the biggest one is that after all of these years over in America, you have not lost one scintilla of your Australian accent. And that is a credit to oh, you. That is a credit to you. I don't know about that. I, I When I go to restaurants like and I try to order like a glass of water, they have no idea. So I have to go, can I have a glass of water <laughs> in there? Water doesn't mean anything over here. So... I do ha- I do get called up a little bit on my accent when I come home, and it's amazing how lazy I can talk and people will understand you <laughs> because I come home and I'm still a little sharp with my words, and people are like, oh, you sound a bit American. I'm like, well, what did I say? And they'll say the word, and I'm like, oh, that's because they haven't got a clue. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> exactly. so um, no, I, I do cringe a bit when I come back to Australia. Here's so many Australians, which is weird to me in my home country. Mate, good luck with those web playoffs. There's, a, you know, obviously you've done everything. You know, well, you've done you've done about as much as everything as you can do in the game without winning one of the big four. And um, you know, you're a credit to yourself, and you're a credit to work ethic, and um, you know, to the great nation whose flag you carry. So, uh, mate, it's uh, terrific to have you on Inside the Ropes. We really appreciate you being so generous with your time. Thanks for um, thanks for joining us. That's all right. If I can uh, keep your listeners bored, I'll come back another <laughs> anytime. I'll hold you to it. Stewie Apple will be joining us on Inside the Ropes. The Golf Australia website is now the place to go to look up your handicap and so much more. Whether you're out and about on your phone or in the office trying to avoid work, just go to golf.org.au and punch a golf link number into the box at the top of the homepage. Who knows, maybe that last round was just good enough to put you in single figures. While you're on the site, check out the daily golf results at your club, view our course index for up-to-date ratings, read the latest golf news from home and abroad, listen to Australian golf podcasts and interviews and watch video tournament highlights or tips to improve your game. It's everything a golf tragic could want. Visit golf.org.au today. The home of Australian golf.
G'day, my name's Hannah Green. Thanks to Inside the Rope for making all my travels on the Symmetra Tour so much fun. What a joy it was to spend some time with Stuart Appleby. We only just scratch the surface with him, I We will get him back yeah. on his offer there. I mean, we... We haven't touched on so many things, Joe, that he's accomplished. I was just about to say, we haven't even touched on his 59. Mm. Yeah. Like, unbelievable. So, you know, there's lots that, lots that we can talk about. Like, I could have reeled off another few experiences of my own um, in how he sort of empowered me and a whole lot So what do you remember juniors. about that? What do you remember of that experience? Well, I think Rockstar, as I said, really summed it up. I was like, who... What, what's going on here? And yeah. then all of a sudden, it's Stuart Appleby. What year was it? How long ago? Mm-hmm. God, you're stretching my memory. It would be over 10 years ago. I yeah. thought it might have been 17, maybe 16. So, yeah, 10, 10 11 years ago. Yeah. And um, just awesome. And then the other experience I, I had with him, which I didn't bring up, was 2009 Aussie Masters. He organised hundreds of kids, maybe even thousands of kids, to be flooded the 18th green on the Pro-Am Day, and he invited Tiger Woods out, and they did a clinic for all these kids. Wow. And I remember sitting there going, that is just, just awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. Six, he's, like, how many rounds of golf he's played, we will, it's impossible. No one will have ever kept count. I always reckon when, when, you, when you cark it, wherever we go next, someone has every stat. Every, oh, really? How many times you sneezed, how many movies you watched, <laughs> how many Nutri-Grains you ate, how many rounds of golf you played. Like, somebody has every stat that that pertains to everything in your life, which is just this stupid thing I've carried around with me since I was about five. <laughs> but he's played 640 professional as a pro. When he turned pro in 92, he's teed it up in 640 professional tournaments around the world. So that, that's, that's just as a pro. Just as a pro, he's played 640 times, um, which is... When you think about that, it's absolutely mind-boggling. You know? <laughs> Nearly 13 years straight without a break. Exactly. And for 12 years, this was something that staggered me when I had a look at it um, when we knew he was coming on. For 12 years between 97 and 2008, he lived inside the top 50 in the world mm. on the official mm. golf world rankings. Yeah. He, he, just, he, he was a staple member of the elite players on the planet. And it's no surprise. I mean, you mentioned the 30 million he won yeah. and... You know, the superannuation that's coming his way is just ridiculous. But mm. um, So it's no surprise that he's won that much, that he finished, that he's ranked so highly for such a long period of time. But it underlines how good he was mm. at an elite level for such a long time. Yeah. And to have dealt with a lot of adversity in his personal life, mm-hmm. yep. physically, yep. and still just be such a great bloke. I, I you know, yeah. he's a, he's a, Credit to Australian golf. He is. And he's, as we mentioned, he's playing in the web playoffs. Uh, and he's explained it brilliantly about how that all sort of works. He's not the only Australian who's turning it up over there. We've got the young and, in inverted commas, and in, we say gently, in, the old who are turning it up <laughs> over there. Come on, Andy. We're still trying to get Cam Percy on the show. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, sorry, Cam. Sorry. Very elusive, Cam Percy. Uh, yeah, no, it's, a, it's an incredible mix. We've got eight guys um, teeing it up in the, in the web playoffs. Mm. Um, and they have come at it from all different angles. So he mentioned... Curtis Luck there, he's new coffee mate, but he's also got um, Druitt, Gibson, uh, Hend, your man Jamie Arnold, uh, you've ridden him hard all year and he's still survived it somehow. I had another T20 last week, I see. (laughs) Cam Percy and of course Matt Jones. Um, Some of them have just missed out on the FedEx playoffs, some of them have come through uh, great tournaments when not without being a member, as in Hend and Luck. Um, A couple of the other guys sort of just, just hang on, just really just managed to hang on somehow at the bottom end of the 75 in the web um, in the web rankings. So, you know, it doesn't matter now. The slate's clean. Have a couple of good weeks here, four good weeks, and they're away. Well, how much more interesting, I don't know you two agree with this, but 
I find the web playoffs way more interesting than the FedEx Cup playoffs. Like, so much more compelling and interesting and genuine and, you know, it's critical, you know. This this is everything you were talking about last week that the FedEx Cup playoffs aren't. Exactly. So, you know, as a, opposed to the couple of last guys at the end of the Tour Championship where, you know, a putt can mean $10 million and obviously that's got to make the nerves jangle a little bit. This is the real deal for a month. Every every shot here is critical to your future. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be in Anchorage, Alaska next year or are you going to be at Augusta, Georgia? That's what we're dealing with here. It's uh, it's the real deal. You, Pr- pressure yeah. at its ultimate. And Isn't it? it like, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine. And even when Apples was talking about when he played with Tiger Woods, my body went into like shutdown. I was <laughs> going like, I would have shanked it off the first <laughs> Like really, I could you, like sort of feel that pressure. And yeah, but this is, you know, this is crunch time. Yeah. It is, it is. I mean, it's a difference between knowing where you're going to play next week and writing letters, as yeah. he said. You know, yeah. And that, that's the reality. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a guy that's done it all. And he doesn't deserve to be writing letters. But as he said... That is the reality. You're playing for a job once you get to this point uh, of the season, and that's why it becomes extraordinary. I mean, the light was shone on the FedEx Cup playoffs to a fair degree last week. I mean, it was the tournament was kind of saved by an unbelievable finale. Like the conclusion to that tournament between Spieth and Johnson was, you know, out of this world. The quality of golf that they were playing, the the threes they made on seventeen, the pair of them were a joke, and then the putt. DJ made on 18 uh, to match the two, the extraordinary two-putt from Spieth to, to take it into a playoff was unbelievable. But did you see the demeanour between the two of them? They're laughing, they're smiling at one another, they're high-fiving, they're slapping hands, and that's great. Like, they're great yeah. mates, and that's terrific. We don't want everyone to hate each other, but that was so relaxed. Like, it was just, yeah. You I, want a bit of biffo? Well, I just wanted to be a bit tense. I want it to be tight, you know. And you talk about uh, you get to the we get to East Lakes and there's a guy you know standing over a six footer for ten million. Well, chances are the bloke who's standing over that putt for ten million's already got hundred and fifty million in the kick anyway. <laughs> so what's another ten million? You know what True. I mean? Yeah, it's absolutely. not Billy Horschel who it is changing yeah. his life, even though he probably had plenty anyway. Mm. But chances are it's going to be a bloke whose boots are filled with cash. Already, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's an interesting point that you bring up, and I agree with you. I like seeing the sportsmanship. I think it's a game of yeah, integrity. So That's probably my yeah. female, I'm female talking, like the emotional side. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We're a bit female. Female. <laughs> That's right. I have got a husky voice today, but yes, I am female. Um, but yeah, no, maybe you're right. Maybe they need to rejig the concept to you know add that element of more pressure because you know these guys they'd have so much in the like, in the bank. The I know we don't want to sort of broken record this, but. That's the one. That's why I reckon the web playoffs are just so much more mm. interesting, you know. Mm. Um, so just on the FedEx Cup, the first cut gets made, of course. Uh, the re- the best of the re-rankings, sadly, Bubba Watson was probably the middle of all of that. 113 up to 72, so mm. here's a good result at the Northern Trust, and that's terrible news for all of us, but <laughs> he stays alive. Uh, David Lingmurth, 103 up to 87. Harold Varner, 123 to 91. The big sliders were Ben R, 96 to 102, so he's out. And Robert Garrigus, 99 to one. 109, he's out. We we thought we might only have four Australians turning it up in Boston, but we now know we've got five because Scotty's going. He's playing. Yeah, yeah, he's back from the 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 dead, sort of you know metaphorically yeah. here. We thought he was going to be changing nappies, and instead he's pegging it up at in Boston. It's a, it's an extraordinary turn of events. So Leishman fourteen out to twenty day. Who I know we had a chat about Jason Day's yeah. form a couple of weeks ago, and you. 
weren't quite sure. Well, he's <laughs> I've fo- changed my tune. He's 49 into 29 now, so he's heading in the right direction. Cam Smith, 40 out to 44. Rod Pampling, 70 out to 71. And Scotty, who is now outside the 70, but has decided that it's important enough for him to try and get inside the 70. And uh, he is 73 at the moment. He's going to play in Boston, which is pretty good news. Yeah, I'd love to see both those guys get through one more week. So they obviously need to improve three or four spots each. Uh, it's going to be a tall order for them both, um, but, you know, they're more than capable. Hi, this is Sherelle McMahon. Swing Fit is the fun, healthy, social way for women to get started in golf. You'll learn the basics of the golf swing and how to putt over a six-week program and get your whole body moving through yoga and Pilates-style exercises. You don't need any golf knowledge or equipment. Simply turn up in comfy clothing and get started. You'll be surrounded by like-minded people and receive constant support. So get outdoors, meet new friends and learn a sport that you can play for the rest of your life. To find a program Near you, visit swingfit.com.au. G'day guys, I'm Scott Hen. I'm around the world playing golf everywhere, but when I can, I publish the Inside the Ropes. We're joined by a, a man who is yet to make his debut on uh, Inside the Ropes, but he is, he is one of our favourites. This is long awaited. He, he is one of our favourites, and he's actually in Australia at the moment playing in a tournament we spoke about last week with the secretary of the Palmerston Golf Club. Yeah, he's up at the Northern Territory PGA Championship, and we refer, of course, to Aaron Price and Pricey. Uh, very happy for Andy and I and Joe uh, here to have you aboard Inside the Ropes. Yeah, thanks for uh, having me on. I've been listening. I didn't get uh, last week's episode in, but before that, I think I was about 12 or 13 straight. been listening while I've been doing my practice over in the States. And uh, yeah, big fan of the podcast, very informative. I think a lot of people are getting a lot out of it. Well, there you go. You can come on this show anytime you like, Pricey, if you're going to sort of butter us up with that sort of stuff. No, 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 no. I would tell you if, uh, you know. I believe that. <laughs> I actually reckon you would. Hey, what's it like up in um, in the in the uh, Northern Territory? You played your golf all over the place. Have you has, has the journey taken you here before? No, nah, never. And that was a huge decision uh, to stay on after Fiji. Obviously, uh, my wife and two little boys are still in Florida, but uh, I'd never been to Darwin. I've got a cousin here. Um, my best mate's in-laws, who, who I, I know already, are up here. And uh, I'd never been here. I've been to every other major place in Australia. I hadn't been to Darwin, so I thought, why not? And also, it's got the biggest uh, purse of the Tier 2, so that was another incentive. So I thought I'd, I'd definitely hang around for Darwin. It's been great. And you've got all your limbs intact, mate. I believe you've had a bit of a, a, bit of a swim around with a few crocs. Yeah, Nitties and I went to the Crocosaurus Cove, which is right in the heart of Darwin, which was a really cool exhibition. And then um, on the Monday, I came up Sunday night so I could do a few extra things. And on the Monday, I went down to Litchfield National Park and went for a swim under that Wongi Falls um, in that diving hole there. But they have seen crocs, but apparently it's pretty safe this time of the year. <laughs> I've swum there too and I survived. <laughs> yeah, they say, but they say when there's a flood... Or when it starts raining, you, yeah. you definitely don't get Good story it. to tell. If you dived in yeah. behind a German tourist, you should be okay, Pricey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think I'd taste that good anyway. Tell us about, from a golfing perspective, Aaron, what's it? What's the course like? What's the setup like up there? Yeah, obviously that wouldn't have the funding of some of the Sydney or Melbourne or you know overseas clubs, but for what they've got, it's a really good little track. You've got to be really straight off the tee. You can sort of hit the four iron, which you would almost guarantee the fairway. Or you can hit the drive all the way down there, you know, 30, 40 metres from some of these greens. But if you're uh, if you're right or left, you'd be chipping out. And then if you do lay back with the, the shorter club, you 
couple of good scores, and I think you'll see some some average scores because it, it's going to really uh, benefit the straight hitter. And, and if you you're off 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 at the sides, you're going to be in trouble. Is it right? I was kind of looking through your um, your record last night, and is it right from Fiji to Fiji last year to this year? Have you only played nine times in that in that twelve months? Is am I reading that right? Yeah. I would, wouldn't have even thought that. Yeah, I, I sort of lost my uh, web status, my good web status. I still have status, sorry, but I've lost my good category. So, yeah, just having these two little kids, I haven't been as motivated to go and chase the Mondays. I've done a few, uh, not with, with not with not much success. So, yeah, I haven't been playing much. I did take three months three months off after Perth at the start of this year. I was pretty uh, gutted by that result. I was really walk, work, uh, working towards that, and, had played well at Huntingdale and then played well at the Big Open. Mm. And then to miss the cut at Perth was pretty gutting. So I sort of took some time off and had to reevaluate, really. But now I'm back. I'm more motivated. I'm having more fun than I have in the last three or four years on the course. And I'm starting to play a little better. So just getting that balance right, like this is your game is a, you know, like the game we love and you play professionally. It's a pretty selfish game. Like it takes a lot of time. Um, it's not like a normal job, you know. You have to commit to a long, long stretches away from you know home. Um, is that it? Well, once you get the young family up and about, uh, in terms of making that adjustment, pricey is that? Is that an, is that an easy, natural thing to come to terms with? Well, actually, I guess you can't deal with something to you if you've ever dealt with it. But I thought I would be pretty comfortable with that. I, I have been fairly selfish with my golf over the years. Like, even when I met Lucy, obviously, she's a, she's a legend, but I was always like, look, this is the only thing I know how to do is play golf. I can't build a house. I can't, you know, do stuff on computers. So <laughs> I've got to get this going, and I did. And then I just thought the same progression would happen with kids. I, I knew I would obviously love my kids, but I'd be fine to go away for three or four weeks. And maybe it's to do with me not playing well as well, but I, uh, it's been a lot harder than I thought. And I take my hat off to a lot of the guys that can just do it. Everyone's different. Everyone's got different fingerprints, but it's definitely been an adjustment for me. But I feel like I'm getting used to it. Mate, you've, you you had a win in, I think it was the New South Wales PGA, maybe, from memory, five, six yeah, years ago? Open. Yeah, New South Wales Open. Yeah. Beg your pardon. Um, you've been knocking on the door here um, with a lot of really strong results, even in the Australian Open for the last handful of years. Um. I put it to you that not many people would know you if you walk down the street. Does that bug you, or is there something you want to, you know, rectify? Or what? What are your thoughts on that? Because you, you've you've had results that would warrant perhaps a bit more recognition, but it hasn't come. No, no, I'm totally fine. When I was younger, maybe you do want a bit of notoriety, but now I guess things change with the family. And that all, all I really, I know it's a cliche, but all I care for is you know their their sort of health and happiness. So don't don't care to be recognised, but. It does come with the territory. If you do finish first or second, um, you know people take notice as opposed to you know just the top ten, which I've had a few of those over here. But um, no, I don't. I'm not not doing it for notoriety. Now I've sort of changed to do it for, for my family, really. And you know, and for yourself, you've been doing it for 15 years. When you do play well, it's it's almost like a relief or a justification that what you have been doing, you know, is worth it. So, mate, you, you get up to Pittsburgh last year for the US Open and, and I could sense having had the good fortune to chat to you there at Oakmont that you know you I wouldn't say found your calling but you realise that's where you really would like to be a bit more often. That, would that be a fair comment? 
Yeah, so the last couple of years it's been a little bit up and down and, and I have realised that taking that three months off and, you know, playing Oakmont and stuff like that, that I do have the ability to play on the PJ Tour and keep my car, but it's getting back there. And that's I've done it before and so I'm not saying I know how hard it is, but, you know, I know the realisation of it and the web.com is, is such a competitive tour. So I know I can play on tour but I've got to work out, you know, how to get back there and mm. get the motivation and work out the family stuff at home. And so, yeah, I, I know I can play. I know I'm, you know, as talented as not not everyone. You know, you've got the top 50 guys in the world who blow everyone away, but then everyone else is just at about the same talent level and everyone's just, you know, depending on how your head's working is how, how the week goes. Have you given that thought process or of the process to get back out on the PGA? You know, have you given that scope? Actually, worked out what you need to do. I mean, given you've got all these competing um, priorities in your your life with family, have you given that some real thought about how you can actually, you know, really give it a good crack and, and get back out there? Yeah, for sure. And that's where that three months sort of came into where I actually was thinking about doing some other stuff and went to a uh, conference about this thing I was uh, interested in, and I just thought, you know. I can do that stuff and, and probably, you know, be financially do all right out of it, but it's going to take a whole lot of work. And if I just did the same amount of work but on the golf course, mm. And, mm. you know, I, I can get back there. So that's what I'm trying to do. And mm-hmm. the last couple of months have been pretty good. Did a couple of qualifiers. I lost in the playoff to John Deere and I got into the web event um, but didn't play well. And then Fiji was decent. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm on the path, you know, I've been telling some people the other day, just having time to think, you know, you've got to try and stay on the path. If you believe in your talent, just stay on the path. If you have a bad day or or whatever, you have a bad injury, you know, you tend to get off the path. But if you believe in your talent and you see guys around you with the same ability succeeding, if you just stay on the path, it might not happen in a week or a month, but, you know, a year or two years, you should have some sort of success and get to where you feel you need to be. Oh, I really hope you hang on to that because I reckon that's really, really good, solid way of looking at the big picture because mm. these things don't turn around in a week, do they, Pricey? I mean, these things can take a little while. And, um, you know, you look at – look, you're 35 and Jason Norris is 46, but, Jesus, you were in the Fiji field and no one thought Norrie was going to be getting a two-year exemption on the European Tour anytime soon. Mm. And yet, bang, look what happens. I mean, this is a funny game. Yeah, you, you never know what's around the corners. The old, you know, the old, I guess, illustration of the guy, you know, digging through the digging through the coal, and he gives up right at the last second. Yet he's only a couple of inches from breaking through. Yeah. So it's the same thing. I'm sure Norrie's had uh, the odd times of like, you know, should I keep going along here? How old am I? When does my skill set on the other side of golf run out and stuff like that? So, so where I've been, but um, yeah, you can you can have. 10 missed cuts and then win. You see it all the time. It just, you know, I think talent, your talent and your ability gets you to the door, which is, you know, the high competitive golf, but what keeps you in the room is, is more your head and your mentality. So that's, oh, that's what we're trying, to, uh, trying to get better at. It's really interesting stuff, I reckon. Mm. Um, last one from me, uh, and it sort of goes to what we're talking about, I reckon. Just, you know, reading through your bio, there's a tournament that I must admit I've never heard of before called the Players Amateur. It's, been around since 2000 over there in the States, and you've won this thing. Now, so have other blokes. Ben Curtis, Billy Haas, Camilo Vajegas, Brian Harmon, Ricky Fowler, Bud Cawley, Kevin Tway. These are all names on the honour roll of winners of this tournament, some before you, some after you. 
I mean, if you're good enough to win that event, well, why aren't... I mean, this is a question I'm sure you're asking yourself. Why aren't you good enough to go on and do the stuff that some of those other blokes are doing? Yeah, well, I'd be lying if I didn't have those thoughts myself. That summer where I did win that, I had a couple of other really good events and stuff. and was medalist at Western Air, whatever. But, yeah, and I would think I was ranked top five in the world right around when Simi was number one. And so... Yeah, but there's probably guys that were ranked four or eight that don't play golf anymore, and there's probably guys like Gary Woodland's a perfect example in college. I didn't even look twice at the guy; like he he wasn't awesome. And there's 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 thirty of the guys on tour, so mm-hmm. I think I think that just is an example of I do have the talent, and and obviously I had the talent early, and some people you know peak at different ages, but yeah, it, it's definitely an example of the talent's there, and I, I can knock on the door and I can open the door. But I've got to be able to stay in the room, if you know what I mean. I don't know if that's a good analogy. <laughs> it's a great analogy. Oh, yeah. you know. Well, as someone who's watched you play a bit the last few years, Pricey, I reckon it's still there, if that's of any mm. consolation to you, because we enjoy watching you play, that's for sure. So I hope, hope that fire in your belly can mm. linger on a bit longer. I might have to get you, I might have to get you on the bag, Hazy. <laughs> <laughs> got a bad back at the moment. He yeah. might put him down after nine holes. <laughs> I'll pick up. I'll, if you, I'll, try, I'll, I'll be in the gallery, mate. If you can't get to the 18th, I'll carry them the rest of the way for you. Oh, we, we can sub in six holes each. Get Joe to do the <laughs> Mate, just I just want to ask you one quickly off the pace question here about life in the states. What yep. what bugs you about life in the states? Oh, I just think at the moment it's sort of I guess I didn't speak to it for hours, but the way it's gone with I don't necessarily think it's, it's just the media, but more the social media and the way we just go about life. That everyone is almost being forced to be on a team. Are you this team? Are you pro choice? Are you you know pro life? Are you pro yeah. And I just think it's crazy. And I think people are getting pushed onto a team that don't necessarily want to be on a team. So that's the thing that bugs me. It's the whole US, the political climate. People want you to be on a team so you can discuss and argue and keep on your device and stuff like that. So I just think that people, you know, subconsciously end up choosing a topic and being on a side when, you know, it's not even relevant to them, to be honest, or to, to anyone. If you start arguing about a topic that, you know, controls not even 1% of your life. It's, that's the part that's getting a little frustrating over there with what's going on. It doesn't matter who you support or who you don't support, but then you see cool, not cool things, but things like Houston happen and, you know, everyone is helping each, everyone out and it's, you know, it's refreshing. It's a terrible situation, but it's a, politically it's a refreshing thing to see, I guess. Oh, it brings out the best in people, you know, which a lot of the other stuff you're talking about brings out the worst. So... Oh, it's amazing the uh, level of humans, the things they can do. You know, on a scale of 100, they can be 100 and they can be a 1. You know, people, yeah, when they have someone close to them that's sick, they can stay in a hospital for four days and not sleep. And then, you know, two days later when they sort of lose perspective, can go on the internet and say some of the worst things. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. Mate, uh, again, like the bloke we had on earlier, I reckon we could talk to you for another hour or two quite easily, but uh, time will always get on the floor, and I know you've got to go and get ready to play some golf. So we'll be watching the scores coming through from up there in uh, the NT, and hopefully your name's right up the pointy end, Pricey. Thanks for joining us on the show. No worries. Thanks very much for having me. Aaron Price joining us on Inside the Ropes. G'day. I'm my golf ambassador, Jason Day. I'm really excited to be an ambassador for my golf, Australian Golf's National Junior Program jointly run by Golf Australia and the PGA. My golf is every Aussie kid's first step on their golfing pathway. It's all about teaching children the basic skills of golf in a safe and healthy environment, and just as importantly, about the life skills that golf can teach you that distinguish our sport from the rest. 
Remember to visit mygolf.org.au for more information. Hey, this is Rod Pampling. Anytime you guys want to tune in and find out what's happening around the world, listen to Inside the Road. Great, uh, great way to find out what the Aussies are doing. Keep your ears on. I don't know about you lot out there, but listening to Stewie Appleby and Aaron Price has been, oh, it's been really refreshing. I, I, I could have quite easily, as a man who loves his, person who loves his golf, I could have listened to those two guys speak for another hour each, I reckon. Yeah, Aussies, we're so humble, aren't we? We're, we're too humble almost in, in, in some ways. We're just laid back and, yeah, reflected truly with those two, I think. Really honest, too. Yeah, yeah uh, so that, it, it, great to get... Um, one of the key things I reckon about this podcast in, in my, when we were talking about it to start off with was maybe get to know the golfers a bit more. Spot on. And I reckon you've, if you've listened so far, you know, God help your ears, but give it, <laughs> if you have listened so far, like you, you know, oh, I'll know a bit more about Aaron Price. I know a bit more about Stuart Appleby. So we're really grateful for those guys doing that. Hear, hear. Uh, don't forget, uh, Inside the Ropes, uh, subscribe. We say it every single week. If you're new to the podcast, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or for Android users, download the podcast through Google Play. Uh, get the show delivered to your device every single Thursday. Leave a review. We haven't had a review Joe, now that you're back, I'm sure we'll get one. We haven't had a review for a couple of weeks, a freshie. So go and leave us a review. You've got the option to put no stars or one, two, three, four, or five stars. Five stars will get Hazy to mention you on the show. If you leave a five-star <laughs> review and write something nice about the program, you can do that. Uh, Clates is in for you next week, Joe. Yeah, so that gives us a, an opportunity to have the next of our Ask Us Anything uh, segments. It's, there's very few questions that people want you and I to provide answers <laughs> to Hazy, but with Clates. We'll just walk up the street, Ligon Street, for an hour and just, just let Clates unplugged happen. So F16, he's back. Uh, he's in the chair. It's a great time uh, to do what we did back on F7. Uh, send your questions via Twitter. Uh, by using the at inside the underscore ropes and use the hashtag, hashtag inside the ropes. Any question you want to know an answer to regarding the game of golf, um, and it can be trivia-related, history-related, ball-related, course-related, design-related, whatever it is. Try and trick Clates with a trivia question. That would be my mm. best. And if you want to uh, you know, maybe give us the answer, Andy and I, the answer in secret on Twitter, then we'll just uh, we'll shock Clates with it if you can actually uh, get one past him. The only word of warning I would give to anybody who's game enough to take that on, yeah. you better get it right. Oh, yeah. Get it right. <laughs> Don't come up with some cockamamie story no. or fact that is incorrect because Clayton will call you out and given his Rain Man status uh, with all this sort of stuff, he will have it right, Joe. He will, and he will use a lot of colourful language in the process. Well, I'm surprised so far that he hasn't dropped an F-bomb on the way through on the show. It's a matter of time. It's only a matter of time, and given the fact that it's a podcast, we won't have to edit it out. Um, (laughs) Golf month, Hazy. Yeah, well, don't forget uh, October, and it's coming around really, really quickly uh, right now, and we've got something really special this time around, Andy. We're giving you, as in the listeners, not you, Andy, the chance to win one of four ultimate golf bug adventures to Barn Bugle, Cape Wickham and Ocean Dunes thanks to Air Adventure Golf Tours all you've got to do is tell us in 150 words or less who you're going to share the golf bug with this October and do it at golfmonth.com.au there's hundreds of great activities on that Golf Month website so we really want you to get involved more being added every day and we urge you still to get your club your facility involved in Golf Month this October. Tell us your you know, a personal story, why golf's important to you or a family member and you know, sort of tug at the heartstrings a little bit if you can, if you go on. Well, we want you to do that next week, Andy. Oh, no chance. <laughs> hey, um, 
Do you know about Play 9? Uh, I know a little bit about it. I know it's a great concept. Listeners. I know Adam White's a big fan of it. Next week, we are going to tell you about a very exciting opportunity to be able to play on Saturday late afternoon at the Australian Golf Club. You haven't, I haven't misread any of that as part of the Emirates Australian Open. Tune in next week and we'll give you all the information. Mm. Oh, honestly, this is the, the chance to play a good course at the worst time of the year is well worth doing. To play it in Australian Open, Nick, uh, honestly, oh. it'll be the experience of a lifetime. Oh, it's wow. awesome. That will be magnificent. Uh, okay, so that's all the business of the show. There's other bits and pieces that we need to get through before we wrap it up. Um, movement in the women's game, Joe, and some pretty seismic stuff. This is tectonic plates sort of coming <laughs> together or shifting. This is the sort of stuff that we're talking about here. What what are you bringing to the yeah, table? Yeah, potentially, and we're, we're going to have a bit of fun speculating that Please note that this is just all hypothetical and it's just been initial chats. But you're right, and we are probably going to open up a can of worms, but I'm willing to do that. There are two parties. Are you going to, you going to put your mobile phone number on the end of this oh, for people yeah, to call no, you? God, no. Uh, but no Twitter. It, You'll find her on Twitter if you want to respond. Chime in if you know more than I do. But from what I've read and um, you know heard from a few friends of mine, the a, oh, sorry, the LET and the LPGA are in initial chats with the LPGA you know, lending their hand and saying, we're here to help. All right. You're probably wondering why, why is this the case. So if I could paint the picture for you. So over the last seven years, the LPGA under Juan's leadership, events have grown from 23 to 34. Great. So tick of the box, awesome. On the other hand, the LET are really enduring some tough times. Their event schedule has dropped from 24 to 15 wow. over the last six years. So it's really sad to see, especially in such a time of growth mm. in increasing profile of women's game, you know, the increasing fan base that we saw was so evident at the Solheim Cup. Um, it's pretty shocking to hear this sort of news. So what it could mean, and I'll throw it open to you guys to see what your thoughts are as well. I've thought of two scenarios. Again, hypothetically thinking. The first one would be that the LET potentially may become sort of a bridging or a stepping stone onto the, the US tour. And I hesitate here because I worry that that then evolves the LET into a really mini satellite tour-esque sort of tour. The other option would be for the LET to come under the umbrella of the LPGA. So that would be, you know, further enhancing and further expanding the international capacity of that. So we're getting even more global tour. A global tour. So more co-sanctioning events. There's already a few that they um, co-sanction. I really like that idea. I'm all about embracing global play. Countries get their moment in the sun from a commercial point of view, then you know it's much more viable and valuable for sponsors to jump on board rather than all these competing um, tours that we have out there. So there are a couple of hypotheticals. Um, the other interesting layer that's on top of that is that the European men's tour have also suggested that they might join forces with both the L- LPGA and the LET. So this, is, this is where I love it. So this is another layer, but, and this could take forever to thrash out between three parties but could this mean again even more of a global tour we have mixed gender competitions with the men's and the women's tour discussing throw in your idea of diverse formats of the game and hey we've got a vibrant exciting and viable tour out there again wouldn't that be something i mean that would be i mean the the potential for in the middle of all of that and we're talking these are big concepts big concepts you know and a lot of people need to be moved you know collectively into the one position here for all of this to you know potentially take place but the idea of there being on the women's side of it a genuine global tour that and and a, a body that 
fair-mindedly looks after the game in all parts of the world, not just feathering the, the, the nest in the United States, but seriously looks after the game in all corners of the world. And we see what's happening in Asia, particularly in the women's game. Um, well, that could be unbelievably exciting. I was really disappointed to learn um, a couple of weeks ago, Andy, that the LPGA and the PGA Tour of the US had basically called off talks to try and get that opening uh, event of the year jointly played in Hawaii. That's a concept that was mm. brought to life maybe a year ago now, mm-hmm. roughly. Uh, unfortunately, it's withered on the vine and is no longer. So, um, Reasons for that? Uh, I think logistically it was too hard, um, was the the way they put it together publicly. Yeah, right. But yeah, I, I'm, sure. you know, my instinct would be to say that the, the PGA didn't want to necessarily alter its image or brand. They want to give up their nest that they they yeah, have. Yeah. And, uh, I don't, and I think that's sort of um, very short-sighted, for want of a better word, and I'm sorry to any, you know, USPGA tour people listening, but, you know, the power of what the women's game could bring has been overlooked, you know, horrendously there in my, you know, in my little eyes. Uh, but... Keith Pally, and I'm really keen. I'm going to try and get Keith. Yeah, Pally I think on you're becoming show. you're becoming Keith Pally's number one ticket holder here. I am. Yeah. And, and, uh, just a, a Canadian guy, not from a golf background, but he's in charge of the men's European tour now. Has clearly ideas of what golf could be. So it doesn't surprise me to hear you say that, Joe, because I'm sure that he would swoop in and see the bigger picture. Uh, he's a he's an ideas man, as mm. we like to say these days. Um, that would be awesome if that were to happen and another aspect i think maybe we could throw onto the plate there was um the symmetra tour um you know if you could if you could combine the number of tournaments on the symmetra tour with the number of tournaments on the let you know we're heading up to a very um viable global tour Mm. and it would give the girls a great leg up to be able to know what it is to travel and what you have to do to compete at that next level exactly exactly so yeah no speculative at the moment exciting exciting news um but can i also add just quickly Further exciting news that Stacey Peters has joined the oh, Golf yeah. Australia team this this week as our female pathway manager. She'll be on the show next week, I think. So, yeah, no, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, get off for a chat. Yeah. yeah, well, she's she's been on the Victorian show when we were doing state shows a few few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a cracker. Yeah, this is it. So her role will be development of the the future players coming through. That that's going to be her her job. She's yeah. the female national pathway manager. Oh, that's awesome. And it's and, mm-hmm. you know. It's uh, a lot of people say that you know uh, the golf industry isn't trying things and isn't doing things. Well, I put this one straight in your lap. Um, This is awesome. It's arguably the most important. uh, I want to say acquisition because that makes it sound like we've 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 bought Stace on, but uh, no, it's it's appointment maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, That we could possibly have made because this she's got such passion, such drive, Mm. such knowledge. She'll be the one who can get girls to the table here, and this is something that's really super important, medium and long term. Just before we get away from the women's game, can I put one thing to you? And this is just a pure stat, and it's a basic stat, but 23 tournaments have now been played on the LPGA um, tour this year, since the start of the year. 13 of them have been won by Korean players, with the Canadian Open being won by Sung Yun Park. This is unbelievable what these Korean players are doing. 13 of 23 tournaments on the LPGA Tour have been won by Korean players, Joe. I mean, this is mind-boggling how this collective... And it's not just a winner. They finish 1, 2, 4, 6, 8, 11, 15. They fill places down to the... They are... These players, they are many... And they are very, very good. It's been growing for some time. And, yeah, no, they're at the top of the tree. Consistently, 
with the depth, yep. as, as, as you're talking about. And Stace, I suppose, has got a big job on her hands to uh, make sure our Aussie girls in, in times to come can be just as competitive. So, um, yeah, good luck, Stace. Hey, we might have to base her in <laughs> well, Jaycee Well, the bar's been set, hasn't it? So, yeah. you know, it's phenomenal stuff. Mm. Um, Hazy, many, I, many other items of general business before we wrap up. Go yeah, on. Yep. Oh, but Andy, oh, <laughs> to what you said about recruiting questions for Clates for next week, mm. can I spark listeners' ears to some numbers I'm about to read out because this might form the basis of what, oh, what yes. we will talk about. Yes, go on. With, uh, you know, oh, I forgot the hashtag there, but uh, we're going to use Inside yeah. the Ropes and it's going to be Ask Us Anything with Michael Clayton. If this doesn't feature prominently, I'll be staggered. <laughs> If I said to you, Andy, that John Daly drives the ball now 11.1 metres further, or yards further, than what he did when aged 30. So he's 51 now. This is from a bloke who unwound like no one had ever unwound. And I'm telling you right now, he's he's been more at Hooters than in the gym for the last 21 years. (laughs) He now hits the ball 299.9 yards on average. It's the hormones in the burgers, Hazy. <laughs> it must be. 11.1 yards up on the wildest, longest swing we've ever seen in men's professional golf. Phenomenal. So, so just folks, when he was 30 years of age, he was hitting at 288 yards. He's now 51, so it's 21 years have gone on. He's hitting at 11 yards further at 51 years of age than he did when he was 30. I bring to the table as Exhibit 2, Andy, Frederick Couples. This is stunning. Who was a tremendous, sleek athlete, um, 272.6 yards at age 30, a multitude of back injuries, remodeled swings, yeah. time out of the game, coming back now, playing intermittently, mind you. He doesn't crush, punish himself by playing more than you know a dozen tournaments a year. 300.4 yards average off the tee now. Fred Couples, age 57. <laughs> He's now averaging 27.8 yards a drive further than what he did as a 30-year-old. And he won the Masters in 92, yeah? So 25 years ago, that was at the, presumably the height of his game. Yep, yep. You know, that's when he was winning a green jacket. So why? Why? Is there a simple answer Please to this? Please explain. Well, it's- Hashtag... B A L L B A L L. Well, let's let's get to the bottom of this with Clates. I mean, it, it's extraordinary that, um, like, here we are, Andy. We must be just over an hour into this podcast, and I'm going to bring up the bifurcation word. <laughs> oh, there it is. I actually oh. learned a lot about this. Uh, I read, I did some uh, research. I know that's a radical thing for me to have done, but basically, the the concept of what these things come down to is, you must generate a certain swing speed to hit these distances. Mm-hmm. Um, so the ball will explode to its capacity of technological capacity once you reach a certain swing speed. And you've got to keep it in control and on plane and all that sort of stuff too, which mere mortals can't. So you're, you're saying there's no hope for me? Joe, you've got a beautiful rhythmic swing, but you'll need to put a bit of a turbo on it, I'm afraid. So what I'm saying is the ball won't reach that capacity at club level. But clearly for these guys who have got beautiful you know, swings tuned over 30, 40 years of grinding away in the right spot the whole time, these guys are getting way more performance now. It does not make sense that it's anything else but technology. I mean, I know that physiology and work in the gym and everything plays a part. I get all that. And I know it's the clubs as much as the ball. I'm, I'm not 
but the ball is the fix here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Clates will go off his tree next week when there's we read f- these numbers to him. There's a few layers to this one that I reckon are worth fleshing out too. We could probably do an entire hour-long podcast on this one issue and, and try and peel it back and still not get to the absolute core of you know the, the onion, um, so to speak, mm. because there are so many knock-on effects to oh, yeah. you know what what this thing does. You know, I mean, and again, I want to point out, Andy. I said this a few weeks ago in, in on Inside the Ropes. I'm absolutely full of praise for the guys at Titleist and oh, and, and all yeah, these yeah, yeah. ball yep. manufacturers, Callaway, who who do such tremendous technology and research um, to develop the game and and you know make it more amenable to more people. But mm. the, the times come when we've got to think about what you're alluding to, which is the golf courses mm, exactly. uh, and and the statistics and the the historical precedents that we're now seeing broken. Mm. No doubt. Um, we're, time is probably on the fly. I, I want to – Jared Lyle has spoken. He spoke to the boys on uh, Brecky on RSN during the week, and he certainly – you know, you spoke to his wife and yeah. uh, and you, about where he's at this week. The word remission was used this week, which I think got a lot of people unbelievably excited. Yeah, and it is something to yep. be really excited about. Um, you know, that's one of the words you want to hear if you're starting that process. But the, they went for a walk with some great news and took a photo and put it on Instagram, I think, said uh, Jared's in remission. And I think people jumped to the conclusion that that means it's over. The battle's won and it's finished and... and uh, Bryony just wanted to make sure that people were aware that it's the first step of a long journey. Um, today we're recording on Thursday. He's going back into the hospital for another round of chemotherapy. It's to it's to um, solidify the progress that they've made. So it's not as horrendously um, confronting as the first time around, but it shows you that you know he's far from out of the woods. And what they're still doing is preparing him for a big full. Um, bone marrow transplant yeah. and blood transfusion uh, that will take him back to zero immunity again, uh, just like a newborn kid. That's, that's incredible. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, that's when he's at his most vulnerable. It's coming up. So we've had a huge reason to celebrate that his body's um, still working with him uh, and his blood counts are in the right numbers. Mm. That's remission technically. But in reality, we've got a long, lot of more hurdles to sort of climb over before we get to that really hopefully good news down the track. Yeah, yeah. Uh, two little tiny things from me. Kyle Thompson... Uh, member of the PJ Tour, put out a tweet this week after the Mayweather-McGregor fight. Don't know whether you saw it. Tiger Woods made $110 million in 328 events. Floyd Mayweather just made $300 million in one. Uh, so three times the career earnings in one event for a pay-per-view fight against a MM. A, is that what they're called? That's MMA it. fighter. Of course, Tiger made some other stuff along the way and a few endorsement deals along the way, but that is <laughs> stunning money. Uh, the other one, and Joe, you can have the final word on this. I saw a tweet put out, uh, Czech Open's being played on the uh, European Tour this week. Thomas Peters has played there twice. He's run it, won it once and runner-up uh, in the other time he played, so he's probably a fair bet to you know finish top five if you're that way inclined. Um but in a practice round, they took a photo, and this is a bugbear of mine and a bit of a hot potato, of him wearing shorts in the practice round. I know, get out. Now, the world didn't end when he played a practice round in shorts. The walls of Jericho didn't come tumbling down. There was an eclipse in the US. He looked, he, well, I don't know whether that had anything to do with Thomas oh, Peters. Oh. Uh, he looked okay to me. He looked perfectly decent. I, I wouldn't be locking the doors and turning people away so ghastly did Thomas Peters look and so disrespectful was he in the game. Let me ask you this, Joe. If the Vic Open, which is a um, 
a progressive golf tournament prepared to try things? And this is a question without notice. But if the Vic Open said, male players, it's summertime, every person in the gallery is wearing shorts, every caddy, male caddy is wearing shorts, players, if you choose to wear shorts in the Vic Open at 13th Beach, if Simon Brookhouse put out that as an edict... Oh, I thought you were going to say him in shorts. No, 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 no chance. (laughs) Would there be... Would anybody not come to the Vic Open because male players on a 33-degree day down at 13th Beach decided to wear shorts? You've taken the words out of my mouth. I was going to say that. I was going to put a word out to say to Simon, Yep. the PGA and the ALPG, it's a combined event, let's just do it. Let's make it happen. It's not going to, you know, we're talking about, this is minimal things that's slightly very progressive for for golf, but practical. Of it's, course it's, it is. What about plunging cleavages and, and oh, don't bot- start bot- me on that. Areas, don't, I don't want to see. Don't, I don't, don't want to see Michael Long with a plunging neckline. <laughs> I don't want to see that. Do you want to see Matty Griffin with a p- plunging neckline? Not overly. No, I, I'm happy for them to have a proper shirt on. Oh, you're talking about the women's games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I think that was two steps back <laughs> when we were talking about that concept. The LPGA brought up whatever it was three or four weeks ago. Ridiculous. Um, but yeah, no, all for, for shorts, um, and I'm all for the girls that look so athletic um, out there on on the on the park. There you go, Hazy. What are our chances? Do you reckon? Um, what are you going to Langers will say about that? Oh, Langers is, Langers is all over it. He did it at the Surf Coast knockout. I, 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 I'm, I'm still recovering from seeing Scotty Lakoff, but that's a whole different... <laughs> oh, sorry, Scotty. Uh, I'm still recovering from that. But other than that, I thought it was a great progress. Mm. No, I, no, I'm kidding about Scotty because everyone looks good in the shorts. They, do. they really do. Yeah, they do, even you. I mean, <laughs> we only had to go at you because it was cold. Yeah. Um, that's it. Joe, lovely to see you again. Thanks, Mari. Thanks, Hazy. Joe Charlton joining us again on Inside the Raps. Hazy, uh, you've done well. You have really soldiered through those Andy and Flams. Whatever they are, have done a treat, my friend. Thank you, Andy. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> hopefully you're in a recovered state fully next week. Thanks for joining us on Inside the Ropes, folks. Uh, hopefully you enjoyed listening to Aaron Price and Stewie Appleby. We sure did. We'll be back same time next week to do it all again.